So the new KKK, uh, they like them Jews and the gays. And- that's uh, th- yes, that's what they. That's the new KKK way. Uh, I apparently, think, I th- apparently, because yeah. there was a guy, and this happens all the time. Guys in a big truck, U-Haul rental, you know, and uh, he tries to bust down the gate of the White House. And what do they do? The first thing you would do, first of all, U-Haul truck, somebody trying to get in near a government building. What do you think of? Uh, Tim McVeigh. Tim McVeigh. Right, yeah. So the first thing you do right there at the White House is you just roll that big door open. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you just start pulling stuff out, and you're like, what's in here? And leave it by the crowd that's gathered yes. nearby. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you, they can see it clearly. Right, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure whatever was in there was was totally safe. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. So he's just driving around with stuff in the back of his truck, and then he tries to bring that stuff into the White House uh, in a very forceful way. But, Stu, there's a couple of problems. Um, they, First of all, we know who he is because as they were taking stuff out of the truck, right in front of the White don't take it someplace safe. No. Take it and put it right there, and they put it out on the streets. They're laying it out. You know what they found? Hmm. They found a Nazi flag. Nazi flag. White supremacist mm-hmm. materials. And that shows that this white supremacist was... Right. Was white supremacist. Was a believing that the whites are supreme. Except he's not white. No. Not at all. <laughs> at least according to reports, which, which uh, indicate to me... He'd be a bad white supremacist. Like, it would not be the top of the of the organization. Well, I don't remember the white supremacy groups being colorblind. Yeah, that you know was I mean? one of their main right. focuses. Like, that, right. if that was one of your issues eyesight-wise, you probably right. weren't welcome in one of these right. organizations. Right. They're um, like, we're not racist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a weird stance for hmm. white supremacists. But we go into all of that and so much more on today's podcast brought to you by Relief Factor. You know, and you try to explain uh, what it's like to somebody who's not in pain, what it's like to live in pain all the time. And you can tell they just don't get it. You know, their lives glaze over and they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I I got tennis elbow really bad. Uh uh If you've been dealing with pain in your life, you've probably tried everything or so you thought. Maybe it's time to give Relief Factor a try. It works for me. I got my life back. Try it. Three-week quick start, 1995 trial pack. It's uh, not a drug, so it's not going to whack you out. Developed by doctors to reduce inflammation, and it hits you four different ways. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com, or you can call them at 800-4-RELIEF. Try the three-week quick start. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. Tim, my man, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I've I want to come on to your show. You've invited me a, a few times, but I don't know. Getting there and the bag over my head and being thrown into the back of the van. It's yeah, a, we're up on the top of the mountain, so you know, <laughs> gotta keep it a secret, right? <laughs> yeah. How are you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I mean, things are things are going great out here. We're we're expanding quite a bit. We got a new studio that's that's popping up. Very excited for that. Yeah. Other than that, just doing the show, talking about the news, and then uh, I guess to a certain degree, giving my money away to people who need it more than I do. Good for you. Good for you. What you're doing with uh, Daniel Perry is so 
or Daniel Penny is so. Penny, Penny was the other guy. Yeah, uh, uh, Penny is what you're doing is so important. This guy, I can't believe we live in a uh, in America today that is going after this guy. Well, I was on the I was on the other side of it uh, to a certain degree when the story first comes out because I I've I've been re- just really frustrated with what I view as not enough people standing up for our moral values or a moral framework, you know? And so with uh, say Kyle Rittenhouse, for instance, I'm 100%. We got it. We got to save this guy with Daniel Penny. I, I, I first said, you know what? Obviously this guy should not be going to prison. He did the right thing. He was defending others. But if you choose to live in these cities and you are not pushing back against this, uh, the changes, if you're voting for these people, I have no sympathy. And so that was what I was saying the week prior. And then I had a few conversations. Some people made some good arguments to me. And I realized, you know what, there is a very, very good reason to actually be in this fight to make sure Penny does not go to prison. The first is, you know, I felt kind of bad to see everybody rallying to save this guy from prison. Here I am being this kind of dick, like, I screw you. You you made your own bed. But I thought about two things. One, someone said to me, it's not so easy just to leave a city when, you know, Tim, when you say get out of the cities because they're, they're getting bad and the, the, the Democrat policies are soft on crime, it's getting worse. You gotta understand some people can't just up and leave. And my response was always, well, it may be very, very hard and it may be the hardest thing you've ever done, but you certainly can move out of these cities. And then someone made a really good point. They said, my, my wife left me through no choice of my own and my kids are here and I will not leave them behind. And I'm like, okay, that's a, that's actually a good point. Some, there, there really are circumstances where people, they, they want to stay there. They want to push back. They don't want the cities to fall into this, this chaotic garbage. And, you know, I, I was so, a bit short-sighted on that, and I can respect that. But then the better argument was, if Daniel Penny loses this fight, then the self-defense, uh, yep. then self-defense in this country erodes, and it's only a matter of time before it comes to your suburbs and then to your more rural areas and that was the most compelling thing to me. I was like, well, look, I've always agreed this guy is a hero who's done the right thing. But actually, that's a really good point. Let's... So, so when I went and you know, I wake up one day and I'm looking at the fundraiser, I said, basically, because I was such a dick. Last okay, week, we're on a, we're an FCC I, airways. I just want you to be careful. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> uh, I, I should probably uh, lead out on this one. And so uh, then I uh, decided... To, you know, I looked at what the current numbers were and I said, I can afford to do better. I, so I, I put up $20,000 for, for Daniel Penny, kind of in a, uh, I should have donated in the, in the first place. I was wrong to say you're on your own. And I do want this guy to win. I do want self-defense to win. And so uh, I, I, I put up the 20 grand and I, and I said, I know there's a lot of people who can probably give more than me and I challenge them to do so. And there's another reason on top of it, let's Let's send a message that the protests which triggered this man's arrest are meaningless because mm-hmm. you have in you have in New York City, these protesters come out, they're violent, they get arrested and they use that to garner sympathy. And yet this our reporter who was simply standing there filming was physically attacked by these protesters. And I said, I want to send a message that these protests don't work. And so that means we have to counter those protests with something more powerful. And that's winning the legal battle here for Daniel Penny. Well, I, um, uh, I, I just, I look at this story and I think to myself, what you said about it come to your town next, you, 
this is going against all of human nature. And this is what progressives do in the end. It's always going against human nature. It is saying that you don't have a right to defend yourself or protect others. And for a guy to stand up, I mean, think of this. Who was his name? Todd Beamer. Wasn't he the guy, the let's roll guy? All he did was exactly what Todd Beamer did after 9/11 or during, on 9/11 where he was sitting in the plane the hijackers take over and he's like let's go come on it's us or them and they took him down and we celebrated we celebrated that guy here's another guy i don't think he wished him ill he just wanted to stop him from doing any damage or hassling people and uh, and we don't have a right to do that if he loses you're exactly right. We have to sit there and take it. There's also, um, I believe, I, I can't remember how long, long ago it was in New York. Another man was being violent on the subway and, and getting people's faces. And a man put him in a chokehold and subdued him. And he got interviewed on television as a hero. So, so something changed or has been changing over the past several years. And I think while I can certainly point the finger at these far left extremists and, and these Soros DAs and these policies, I think the bigger problem is not that evil exists, but it's that good men do nothing. Mm. And so in a place like New York City, I wonder why it is the people of New York City, knowing that crime is, is getting out of hand, why aren't people protesting for Penny? That, that was initially what got me on sort of the negative side of this, like, look, the people of New York City come out and protest to have this man arrested. This is what they want. If the people of New York City wanted something different, they would be standing up for Daniel Penny, but they don't do it. Now, all that aside, my ultimate conclusion is we, 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 need, to, we need to be that support then. We need to help this man win this legal case, lest it come our way. Always be standing up for people who are doing the right thing, lest one day it is you on the firing line and right. no one speaking up for you. Well, but I do think it's uh, go ahead. Oh, good. I was going to say, I think it's interesting that where, where is the shared conviction and moral framework of the American population? We can see it with this movement to provide resources to Penny for his legal defense, but we don't see it on the ground the way the left does. So not only are the left fundraising like crazy when it comes to political issues, they're out there getting physically violent and organizing massive protests and voter initiatives. And that, that seems to be the stronger organizational power. We've got to counter that. We've got to wake people up. We've got to tell people that the only thing required for evil to triumph is that good people do nothing. And we need those good people to stand up. So I think the, the problem is not that w people are unwilling to stand up. They're unwilling to stand up under these conditions because I think the January 6th scared people enough that if they go stand up, there might be an FBI informant there that's going to start something. Uh, they, if, if the left comes in, starts a fight, they're going to be ones that they're called the terrorist. I think people are much more comfortable being at home. They feel safer being at home giving uh, than they do marching. And that is a problem. But I don't see a yeah. Martin Luther King that is leading that. You know, freedom, freedom isn't free. And if this is how we as the American people choose to progress, that is to say, the average person says, you know what, it's easier for me to stay home and keep my head down than, than the next generation, the generation after that, things will just keep getting worse. The, the, I, I think back to the, the greatest generation, 
I think back to the men and women who fought in the American Revolution. These are people who said, if I don't do it, who will? And if I don't do it, what am I leaving for my children? But now it seems very much so that that mentality certainly exists among these leftists who, who believe crazy things. But the average American, the regular person says, just leave me alone. And this allows the more extreme elements of the left to run rampant, capture institutions. And to be honest, I, I, I am fairly optimistic, though. I think uh, freedom, personal responsibility, meritocracy, I think all that's going to win. I think this is just a great challenge before us in our in our current decade or generation. But I'm 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 pretty sure we got this one. I do. I, I, I don't I don't see the chaos of the left functioning properly. There's a fire that is raging, but I think I think it'll I think we will stop it. I do. I have a sneaking suspicion that that is true. I wasn't there a year ago, um, but I am there now. I mean, it's going to be a race to the finish. Um and I'm not mm-hmm. sure for, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to bet my house on who's going to cross that finish line first. But uh, they are so out in the open now. And the things that they are pushing are so crazy that I just don't think that Ameri- <clears throat> Americans will continue to take it. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I, I agree. No, I, I do think so. Um, I think what we're seeing with Penny, I think... This is a sign of people saying, "Okay, okay, maybe I do need to be active because it will come to your house. And, you know, I talked about this several years ago. I said, when the mob is outside protesting and screaming, the police will have a decision. They'll say, do we arrest the man in his home, one man, or do we try to arrest 200 violent rioters? And they're going to say, look. It's easier to keep the peace by arresting the one man. And you know what? We saw that happen in Milwaukee a couple of years ago. A large group of Black Lives Matter protesters had set, or I should say rioters at this point, set fire to a house twice because they were demanding that these two young girls be released who weren't even there. It was just mob mentality. This same group, mostly the same group, same organizers, showed up to a man's house and began a similar protest. When he brandished his shotgun from inside his own home as a warning to these people, like who had previously burned down a house, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but when he did, the police came to the cheers of Black Lives Matter and arrested the man in his own home and carried him away, and they celebrated it. And it was interesting because we said, I thought Black Lives Matter wanted to defund the police. No, no, no. They want to remove any police who are willing to support American values, self-defense. They arrested a guy in his own house. And I warned people. If you don't stand up, if you're not active, the cops will simply say, look, you don't ever protest. There is no political pressure from you. The violence and the fear that we feel is coming from the far left. So we're going to do what they want. We got we, we got we got we got to send a message. We're stopping that. And we're saying, no, 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 no. We're going to stand up against this and we're going to put pressure in the right way, which is through the legal process. Yes. To put an end to the violence and the chaos. Good for you, Tim. Tim, thank you so much. Great to talk to you. And uh, keep up the good Thanks work. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tim Appreciate Poole, it. T- Tim Poole, host of uh, TimCast at TimCast.com or YouTube. Back in just a second. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. In The Federalist, there is a, a great op-ed, The Lessons of Jordan Neely, Your Courage and Sacrifice Will Be Punished. I just want to uh, give a few pieces of this. We have Peach Keenan on with us in just a second. 
Um, she says, weakness is strength. Courage is hatred. In the aftermath, I tweeted strong men brave enough to intervene publicly when a deranged lunatic is terrifying people are going to be rounded up first. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant strategy for the regime. Pick off the bravest and most selfless heroes first. Leave the cowards behind who will all fall in line fast. The worse is the subway Vikings fate. The worse the uh, Vikings fate is, the less likely any of us, the sane ones, will be tempted to lift a finger when they come for us, our friends or our neighbors. If the Viking gets 20 years on Rikers Island, plus some prison rapes and beatings for good measure as the guards look the other way, that'll teach you boys a lesson. She goes on to uh, talk about um, in uh, in this terrible, uh, ugly, upside down, zero trust society. I have been forced to raise a family uh, and I have developed a new survival rule. I have instructed my husband and son to be cowards. That's right. To do nothing if they are in a situation where dangerous psycho is threatening violence on a stranger. I've begged with them to sit on their hands, to be one of the people who just watches, runs away, calls 911. It goes against everything in, in their bodies, but I want them uh, with me, not dead or in jail. She said, I feel like I have failed as a mother because I forgot to teach my sons to be cowards. I'm hoping this is uh, sarcasm, uh, but Peachy Keenan is is here with us. Hi, Peachy. Hi, Glenn. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. Um, we have a you have a lot of fans uh, here at the program and also at the Blaze. So keep oh, it up. Thank you so much. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, so tell me. I mean, you you talk about in this op-ed about your husband. Uh, he took on a guy much bigger and. this guy was bothering you and uh he won the fight and you guys got married oh right yeah i did mention that in that article (laughs) i think he he probably would rather i not bring that up but yeah he 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 did i was in a situation like that in new york city there was a very large uh very drunk man who was in my face harassing me wouldn't leave me alone we were outside a bar at night you can imagine and my husband just decided he just acted and he took the guy down. I mean, you know, he wasn't like harmed that much, but, you know, he maybe got a little bloody nose and he left us alone and we got out of there. And yeah, I, at first I was sort of horrified because my like, you know, my normal instincts as my, you know, I used to be this sort of like feminist, you know, liberal. And so I was sort of like, oh my gosh, you you hurt him, you know, like, you're not <laughs> supposed to do that. But then later, I had he kind of nursed his hand. I was like, you know, that was kind of, wow, that was, that was very macho. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, I will marry you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did sort of impress me a little bit, you know, like, this is a guy who can defend a woman. And that's in short supply these days. And that's what we're supposed to do. But we have destroyed men so much that most mm are not going to get up. They're not. They're going to look the other way, hope somebody else is going to deal with it. And I remember right after 9-11, I flew up to New York. I was on one of the first flights uh, to New York, and uh, wow. there were only four of us on the plane, and one wow. was this drunk uh, bad guy. And uh, he, uh, <laughs> he stood up, and he was arguing with the stewardess. And... The other two men that were on board with with me 
we got up and walked to this guy and the stewardess is like, no, 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 don't. I've got it under control. And we just looked at this guy like, you don't sit down. We'll force you to sit down. And there was this this feeling of that's what you do. I mean, Todd, what was his name? Todd Beamer. Todd uh, Beamer, yeah. Yeah, who ran and, and saved. We don't do that now. Now we're being taught the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, for many years you would get on a plane, and guys I know would tell me, every time I get on a plane, I'm looking around, and like they're, they were like kind of ready, you know, just in case there was another situation. They were, they were ready to do what they had to do to save their own lives and to save strangers' lives. But now you can't because you're going to be filmed and you're and, you know, AOC is going to get the video and she's going to post it and she's going to call you a bad guy. And so we live in this upside down world where, you know, safety is, you know, the only safety that they care about now is their constituents safety from police, from good guys, from good Samaritans. You know, they want to be safe from from hate speech, from racism. But your actual physical safety, just going about your daily life, is no one cares. Like, get pushed in front of a train, you know, a violent psychopath on a subway. You know, those people on that car with with, um, with Daniel Penny, they thanked him. You know, right. these were people of color. You know, he they, they said it was a situation like no other. They were so grateful he intervened. But yeah, men, like men can't intervene anymore, you know people have been masculinity has really been like totally neutered um you know literally literally and figuratively boys have been castrated i mean let's just that's what it is Mm -hmm. so tell me what is uh, what do you think the fate well how do you think this is going to end you mean with daniel penny yeah oh my goodness i mean well it's what is it going to a grand jury in a few months i mean just based on the witnesses statement it seems crazy that they would, you know, that they would, you know, um, even go after him. him. Yeah. I mean, just there's no evidence that he did anything a racist. I mean, obviously, or intended to hurt him permanently to kill him or obviously it was just this crazy kind of freak accident. And he had he felt like he had no choice. And his alternative was to sit there while this guy punched someone in the face or who knows what he would do. No one knew. No one knew what he would do. You can't predict. And he just, he had a split second to decide and he acted, but you know, New York city is so crazy. I mean, the fact that they even arrested him after the cops let him go is just tells you how crazy they are. It's all ideological. You know, they had Jordan Neely the other day with Al Sharpton in the, in the golden casket, just like I predicted, you know, this thing is so predictable how this will play out. Just Floyd part two, that it makes me very worried but, um, you know, luckily he has, what, two and a half million dollar, dollars worth of, um, of legal aid. So, you know, we'll have to see. So do you, think, do you think that a jury in even in Manhattan, uh, the people of his peers will be people that have run the subways, uh, you know, uh, been on the subways recently? And the subways are terrifying right now. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think that they would convict him? Um, yeah, it really depends who he gets. I mean, the whole the whole notion of quote a jury of your peers. I mean, yeah. that's just like such a myth. Like that's just gone. Like think about who's living in Manhattan these days. And his only hope is like people who um, maybe kind of typical liberals, Biden voters, or whatever. But they're people who are also in the real world, who are being de- dealing with these people on the subways. And 
they may they may reject the, the the prosecution's argument totally. But, you know, these people are real dirty. They play real dirty. And um, if they, they just want to make it about they want to put all white people on trial, they want to put all race, anything racist that's ever happened on trial. And this one guy is the fall guy, you know, it's sort of like reverse OJ. So do you think this is, but do you think this is racist? Do you think that they were, um, the city was afraid of the protesters or do you think this is racist or that they are sending a message to everybody? You have no choice, but to sit down and take it. Uh, Probably a little of both, but I think primarily it's about distracting people from the real villain here, which is the city's total neglect of their giant homeless schizophrenic population and their complete inability to do anything about it. And so this is their way of pointing the finger at the guy whose fault it is. Whereas, meanwhile, Penny is just another victim in all of this, and so is the so is Jordan Neely. And the real, the real villain, the real person who should be literally in prison for multiple murders are the authorities who let this happen, who let Michelle go get pushed in front of a train, you know, last year in New York City, um, who let who lets women get raped and stabbed in New York City on subways in their apartments by by men that they know about. They have long records. They just let them go. You know, these are the people who these are the crimes that they should be held accountable for. But. They never will. And so instead, they just have found they found a convenient fall guy. We're talking to Peachy Cannon. She is the American editor, contributing editor, author of a book that comes out next month called Domestic Extremist. One last question. Are you were you being serious about telling your husband and your son to sit down and don't do anything? Um, You know, we've had this exact discussion. I mean, it's something I live in fear of whenever my teenage sons leave the house. You know, they're driving around. We live in a big city. Um, You know, God forbid they run into the wrong the wrong person. You know, Um, they they're Boy Scouts. You know, they've gone they've almost to Eagle Scout level. Their their instinct is to defend and protect and, you know, be good. They're they're Catholics. They're they're Christians. They're moral. And I've actually had this discussion with them and just like. If there's a situation that is going sideways, get out of there. Get out of there. And my sons push back. They're like, well, if there's someone, they're hurting someone, like, I'm going to do something. I'm like, well, look, if it's your little sister, if it's a little kid, like, yes, like, that's a situation where maybe you should, you know, put yourself in, in grave danger. But in a situation between adults, like, you just just go away before it escalates. Why, you know, why risk the rest of your life. I mean, it's really sad. I mean, it's one of the reasons that it's scary to live in a, in a Soros DA run city. I mean, it's very terrifying. Thank you so much, PJ. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again when your book comes out. Awesome. Thanks so much, Glenn. You bet. Peachy Keenan. That is, that's, that's a little uh, terrifying that a mine. And I understand that. I understand what she just said. I think, yeah, I, I know I have that same instinct at times. And my thought also is, I, like, let, let me fight that stuff out at a larger level. If you're in the middle of one of those situations, now, again, if you have to protect someone's life, it's another story. But, like, if some of these, sometimes these situations are just going sideways and you're in a situation of risk, get to remove yourself from that risk. We'll try to move, we'll try to move society at another moment, but live to try to fight that battle tomorrow. It's an understandable instinct from a parent, I'll tell you that. 
Do you I remember all the Bernie Getz? Oh, yeah. What mayor? Uh, was that Dinkins or was that... Uh, Ed Koch? Ed Koch, maybe? I don't remember what year. Let's see. I, I mean, back at that. it's interesting that we deal with these every time the city goes crazy. Every time there's a Democrat that is in office and they and they destroy the city, crime goes through the roof, and eventually somebody says, "Enough is enough." I'm I'm just no, I'm not taking it. And uh, and Bernard Getz was the last time when you had the when you had Rudy Giuliani in office that wasn't happening. Yeah, it was Ed Koch, by the way. Yeah, 1984. And what did he? What did he go to jail for it or not? Gosh, it's been so long. Since I, I know. I don't back. remember. Yeah. I have to look back at that. I, I thought he didn't. I didn't think so. I think that, that that's why I asked that question uh, this time. Are Is a jury of the peers going to put him in jail? And I don't think he did. And his was, you know, pulling a gun on a guy. This one, this one is, I think, even harder to send somebody to jail. He did. Now I'm looking back and he did serve time in prison, but for something else, right? He had some other... Not it wasn't for the actual shootings of that day. Wow, but wow. it's it's a it's a little. I have to read back on it. It's mm. been it's been a long time. But it, one of those situations where, like, look again, don't try to mug people on the subway. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Why, from the great state of Kentucky, it's Congressman Thomas Massey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, we're just, we're just about a week away from millions of Americans becoming felons. Yeah, and I have been trying to get an answer on this. I know people who have these guns. Uh, and they were purchased absolutely legally. They were legal, everything else. There's no grandfather clause now. And the ATF is making it a felony as of, is it the end of next week, isn't it? That's right. June 1st, if you own one of these stabilizing braces for a pistol and it's mounted to a pistol, an AR-15 pistol or something similar, they say you're in possession of a short barrel rifle on that day, unregistered, if you haven't registered it, and uh, you'll get 10 years in prison if you're convicted. Okay, listen, this is, this is Thomas Massey um, questioning the ATF director. Listen. How many days do people have to comply with this rule? Um, so uh, they can always comply, but the, the initial period... Before they're felons. But the initial period, uh, I believe, uh, ends at the end of May. Okay. But, but people end of are... May, so we're... And it was 120 days, is that correct? People are only felons if they intentionally... Is it 120 days? ...the law. Uh, I believe it's 120 days from the... So we've got 36 days left of the 120-day grace period. Can you tell us here today how many people have complied by registering this product? Uh, I am not sure of the exact number. I can check, though, and get back to you. Uh, there are people who are making applications. There also can be detachment. So in other are words, we don't count. We don't, it, that's not for us to regulate. If somebody simply, we wrote the rule to make it easy to comply with. Hmm. If somebody just at their home detaches the weapon from the brace and keeps them apart, uh, they do not have to register anything. They can keep the brace. They can keep the business end of the gun. Okay, that, that's a great clarification. So you're not going to do some kind of constructive uh, prosecution where you say, oh, well, you had this and you had that and you intended to connect they're keeping them? The, I mean, they they're can just keep them separately? them as we, as keep we them separately. Them, but okay, and, because and, that's and, not clear in your rules. Um, and and it, how, what is the punishment if somebody is uh, convicted as a felon under 
having this piece of plastic. On, uh, if people are convicted of not following the Gun Control Act, uh, it's a serious felony conviction. Ten, but is but it that 10 requires years? intent. Is it, can you just give me the number? Is it 10 years? Uh, I, I, I don't. I believe it's a statutory maximum of 10 years. I had 10 I'll, years for owning a piece of plastic? So the advice he gave you, that's the first I've heard that advice. It flies, it flies in the face of the rule that they have published and the slides that they've put out. Uh, they say that you must permanently re- remove and dispose of or alter the stabilizing brace such that it cannot be reattached. In other words, you, the rule says you have to destroy it. But under oath, the ATF director just told us that all you have to do is detach the two. And so he created this and this is why Congress needs to be writing the laws, not some freaking administrative agency, because for 10 years they said this was legal. Now they can say it's illegal. And now he just muddied the waters again. So Jim Jordan and I sent him a letter on May 8th uh, because, as he said, the deadline's June 1st, and he hasn't responded yet. We want him to clarify this. It's, it's important to be clear on laws because people will be convicted of this. So... So, Thomas, what do you do? I, I, again, I have friends who have these. What do you do? Well, uh, somebody on Twitter told me he hid his in the desert. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Geocacher. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's, it depends on uh, your appetite for noncompliance. Now, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't want people to go to jail. But if I did keep these two and I did separate them, uh, as the ATF director testified under oath that you could do, I would use that as a legal defense if I were prosecuted. But if you're in a courtroom giving a legal defense, you may have gone too far already. There's a chance, there's a very good chance this will be struck down in the courts. But in the meantime, it is, uh, it is assumed to be the law of the land, even though it's just a rule promulgated by ATF. And what is it they're going to do? Go door to door to see who has these? Some of my colleagues asked that question. Uh, I suspect if they want you for something else, they will use this as an excuse. And uh, here's the other thing, Glenn. It's against the law for the U.S. government to create a registry of gun owners. But that is the remedy that they've suggested. If Correct. You don't, uh, they said you can register these things. Now, set aside the fact that in 13 states that's illegal to even register a short barrel rifle. But they said that you can register these things, you know, do your fingerprints, send in your picture and all of that to the, uh, to the FBI and all and the background check and the ATF. And the, but now they're creating a registry of millions of gun owners. So I, you know, I'm so glad you played that testimony of, of the ATF director. It's so hard to explain the way he bumbled the answer. And may have may have just created a legal loophole for millions of Americans. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm did not you, telling you. Did you get a follow. Did you get a response back from the ATF? You said you, you know, like 10th of May, you wrote to them. Right. Nothing yeah, yet. Nothing yet. It's been two weeks, and we're one week away from D Day, and um, he hasn't responded. And this, by the way, I signed it as chairman of the subcommittee on the administrative state. And Jim Jordan signed it as chairman of judiciary. So, you know, this isn't, we didn't tweet this. This is a letter sent on congressional letterhead. 
to the ATF director. He needs to respond. These, by the way, I'll, I'll provide this letter for somebody's legal defense if they need it at some point. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'd love to. I'd love to take it and post it online uh, so yeah. people could have it. Um, so, um, Thomas, <clears throat> help me out on um, how we're going to stop this. The, these guys don't seem to care about Congress. They don't seem to care about the Supreme Court or anyone else. This has got to stop. All of our agencies are way out of control. There's only one way to do it. There's only one way to stop them. Uh, the, the polite letters are not working. I'm convinced they're heating their buildings over there with our letters mm. in the wintertime. Uh, and Scalia, I had the chance to meet with Antonin Scalia when he was alive, and my colleagues were upset because, remember, when Obama was president and we were in the majority, they were doing the same stuff. And Scalia said, you're the most powerful branch of government. Use it. And one of my colleagues said, well, it's so hard to impeach somebody. Scalia says, I'm not talking about impeachment. You all fund everything you complain about. So here we are. We're in the majority. All the spending bills originate in the House. We just need to defund this crystal brace rule. Now, our first opportunity to do that will be October 1st. That creates several months of jeopardy. And who knows if that makes it through the Senate. But if we refuse to fund it, they can't fund it in the Senate. So that's what we need to do. Defund the rule. And when we talk about defunding, um, we're looking at the budget uh, with Joe Biden. I mean, these people are so destructive. I, I wouldn't put it past them to go into default. Um, and that right. doesn't mean what everybody in the media is saying. But I, I think they would they wouldn't mind that option. Do you are are, are you convinced that McCarthy will stand firm on this? Well, I hope he does stand firm. I don't know what's going to happen. If the if it comes back squishy, I ain't voting for it. That's all I can tell you is myself, I won't vote for it. And by the way, if, when we reach the point at which they can't sell any more of the Postal Workers Pensions Fund, which is what they're doing right now, they're selling the Postal Workers Pensions Fund, li- liquidating it so they can pay pensions in Ukraine to government workers. But Unbelievable. When they, run out of that, when they run out of that runway... <sighs> They, we still have money coming in enough to service the debt. It would take a conscious decision from Yellen to to decide to default on the debt. When we reach the, the ultimate debt limit, she would have to consciously decide not to service the debt because she's going to have enough money to service it. Absolutely incredible. It's just incredible what's going on. Uh, Thomas, one last thing. I'd love to have you on because, you, you know, you went to MIT. You have uh, several patents uh, behind you. Um, this AI uh, controversy that is going on, I've been warning about AI in the way I'm both very excited and also at the same time very terrified that it means also either the best or the worst and maybe both of them. Uh, and we have to have a national conversation about this. And now it, it appears as though it is uh, growing uh, too late to have that kind of confirma- uh, uh, conversation. How worried are you, are, are you on, on AI, not narrow, but general AI and you, things that are going you, on now? You've been at the front of this. I remember many years ago, you were my guest at the State of the Union, and we went out to dinner before the State of the Union, and you brought this up. It must have been four or five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so you've been in front of this. 
my my concern, Glenn, is that the government uses it as the ultimate social tracking tool. Uh, it takes work. It takes determined hard work on the part of bureaucrats to make your lives miserable and to spy on you. But with AI, they could automate the whole thing mm-hmm. and have 350 million Americans under the watch. They could tell the AI, go out and find all of the URLs that Glenn Beck has visited for the last 20 years and be very diligent and search every server everywhere. And I could see an AI doing that. So I'm not, I'm not that concerned about its use in private sector. Now, let me put a little postmark on that or, or a post-it note because – the private sector is working hand in glove with the government. We just found out yep. from an FBI whistleblower that Bank of America uh, released the gun records of everybody who used a Bank of America card to buy a hot dog between January 5th and January 7th. Like they, they claim they, the FBI whistleblower claims that Bank of America volunteered that. So my concern is, does AI fall in the hands of the government? We could write laws to stop that. And, you know, government abuses people. But then my secondary concern is the private sector uses AI and contracts for the government. And they think they've found a loophole to the Constitution. Yeah. And that sounds most likely. I mean, I've talked to several people and and, uh, you know, they said, well, you know, we could pause it maybe and the government can get involved in laws. And I said, first of all, most of the people up on Capitol Hill don't know how to use their even cell phone. They're so old. Um, you know, who are you going to talk to up there? And Kamala Harris being in charge of of the uh, the the summit on it is a joke. But I'm I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure who runs the nation anymore. If it is the government and they have big tech under their thumb, or big tech has the government under their thumb, I I don't want either of them with this kind of technology. The, the reality is we have congressional staffers, not the staffers that work for your congressman, but the ones who work for the committees. And, and a lot of them are, are good people, but there are detailees that come from the executive branch to Congress to work inside of these uh, committees. And then you have people who work on K Street or they worked for a, a big tech company and they come in and they work on these committees, not for any particular congressman. But that's where most of the laws get written. And I'm afraid that a lot of congressmen are going to defer to these detailees from industry and, and, and private business. Yeah. Um, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. If you get a response to your letter and if you if you want to send yeah. me that letter, I, I'd love to post that. Um, but uh, please let us know what's you know, what's happening on this front. This is I've I've never seen our government. Uh, take so much care to make so many Americans felons overnight. It's disgusting, and we need to stop it. I'll send you the letter, Glenn. Okay. Thank you very much for covering this. You bet. We're a week away. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thomas. Bye bye. Well, that's the uh, closest I've gotten to an answer from anyone. Um, and it's not an answer. It's not an answer. No, I mean, I, there's a lot of potential legal answers there, at least. And what, that's he, something. And what he said is so even more terrifying. They're not going door to door. He believes that they will, if they want you on something else, they'll come in and check and see if you have this. So this is just a way, again, to exert power over people. Na, 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 na.